Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Merry New Year! Um, it's episode 182. This is our first one of 2024. Um, I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, uh, Feliz Año Nuevo. That's enough of that language. Uh, <laughs> this is a, we have to put a uh, an MA rating on this because yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, that's the same deal with my kids. Like, actually, they'll, they'll bust out the French, and I'm like, oh, so, that one wasn't so good, was it? So I have to I have to tell this story. So I like one of the best in services I ever had as a teacher was um, this is when I was in Nebraska. And our modern language teachers got up and said, we got a problem and said, our native Spanish speaking uh, children are realizing that their white teachers don't realize what they're saying, don't understand what they're saying. So they're using all, all the good words in the hallway and in the classroom and nothing's going down. So they handed us a piece of paper with on the right, on the left side had the Spanish word and on the right side, the English translation, every swear word you could get through. And so, and, and they sat there and said, such and such means meh, such and such means meh, went through like half the list. And I said, um, Carolyn, we got the right side of this. And everybody's like, shut up, Aaron. We want to see if she gets through it all. <laughs> but anyway, so fast forward, like a week later, I'm on hall duty and, um, I'm sitting there and it was right next to the, the cafeteria next to the library. It was easy hall duty. And I was just sitting there on my computer, just, you know, surfing away and kids are just yammering in the hallway and all of a sudden I heard one of these words and I looked up and I caught eyes with um, one of our Latina students and she looked at me like oh he wrecked he understood that she wasn't the one that said it it come from, came from a male voice and but we had this moment of oh you understood that and so then a second word off the list came out so I started closing my computer and standing up and then a third one came out and I got in this kid's face and I said, I don't care what language it's in. We don't use those words in this school. And he said, F you. <laughs> I mean, but he didn't censor himself. And if that would have been like second year teacher, Aaron, I would have like turned, you know, blah, 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 blah. but it was like 14 year teacher, Aaron. And I just started laughing at this kid. <laughs> it's just like, so that was, that was the best in service I ever got. So that has nothing to do with Star Wars. You all came here for Star Wars, but um, holiday. What's uh, what's some good gifts that we got? Or maybe you didn't get any gifts. I don't know. Maybe that was an awkward question. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, we had we had decided not to do Christmas presents this year because of family weddings and whatnot. But I still got a couple of things. So wearing two of them. One got a new watch, which is nice, and then uh, wearing a Pelicans hoodie. Because, you know, yeah, exactly. Ain't it nice that they they came good right on the time I started getting uh, merch? And then the big kind of uh, uh, Christmas present I gave to myself is I've been eyeing the uh, Lego uh, Great Pyramid of Giza set for almost a year now. And I was like, well, since I don't get anybody presents, which is not true, I gave people presents. But I was like, I'm getting that for myself. So during the holiday break, once everybody was gone and the holidays were done, I just set up at my table at my living room and just slowly put it together and that was there's a such a fun experience there's an nba player that's a big lego maniac mm -hmm. and like 
sports writers, I can't remember who it was, but sports writers are like, you know, trying to like, you play with Legos. And apparently like at a press conference says, I don't play with Legos. I build Lego. And then to my, my point, when Britt and I were talking to us, it's like, who cares if he's playing with Legos? You know, where, where, who, who cares? You know, it's like, yeah, I have all these Star Wars figures around me in this room, but I don't, and I don't, I'm not like Dark Helmet, you know, playing with Star Wars figures, you know, but what if I did? Who cares? That's my thing. So I'm glad you got the Legos. I'm glad you put them together. And if you want to play with them, you play with them. So the thing uh, we talk about, we talk about toys and this, this is, uh, we've had that discussion on a couple of different episodes, I think. Um, so if you're interested in this topic and you've not heard us talk about this before, go back through our archive and see us talk about Legos and things of that nature. But, um, it's, it, it's not the kind of thing as a parent that I ever want my kids to feel like they shouldn't be doing. Um, I want my kids to treat other people with respect. I want them to do their best in school and I want them to learn to be self-sufficient in this world. Those are like my objectives. That's it. I don't want them to feel bad for liking the things that they like. I don't understand why anyone would police that stuff. It's like Jamal Williams with the saints. One of the best things is that he's a huge Pokemon geek. It's just, I love seeing, I love seeing, especially professional athletes, like embrace their nerd, you know, and that's, that's just cool. And I think that is actually a really good thing for like your kids to see, um, because yeah, you can, you, you have to get old, but you don't have to, you don't have to, well, I guess you have to grow up, but you don't have to get old, you know, I suppose that's the thing, but anyway, sorry. So I'd get Legos. Dave, what'd you, what'd you, what was on your, uh, what'd Santa bring you? I think Pelicans hoodies were, were in this year. I got a Pelicans hoodie too. I was excited about that. Um, and uh, I got uh, Atari 50, which is the 50th anniversary collection of, uh, of Atari. And I was just joking. I was like, is combat on it? And you're like, yeah, combat's on it. I was just like, oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, it's got everything. And the best thing about this, this game is that it's basically like a tour through a history museum um, in the best way. Like if you're a history geek at all, um, it's, it's interactive. It gives you um, insights and blurbs and interviews and, all this context for why like all these older games mattered and why Atari was like the biggest thing going. And uh, it's just really, really cool. So what, and, what is the, what is the game on there that you're like, I forgot that this game existed and I love this game. Oh gosh. I haven't even gotten that far. Um, I've been stuck in breakout. So just knocking out bunch of breakout speaking of which a little bit of news did you guys hear about the kid who like beat tetris yeah what was like 130 level 137 or 139 or something like that i mean how that thing had to been going fast how do you how do you even possibly do it but anyway that was just kind of idea yeah no so anyway um, yeah, on my end, I, I think I told you guys, I, uh, well, before we started recording, I finally got the, um, small Viking axe game and it's basically this 12 inch, uh, diameter 
target um and you get that's and you get three they're tiny axes they're dark it's a dark game you know so um it'll be in my backyard to you know it's a fun little dark game so i was so excited to get that um yeah anyway cool um let's see here well tonight what we're going to be doing to start the talk of the year, uh, top of the year, bleh, to, bleh, what we're going to talk about to start the year um, is uh, the the releases that are coming out through Disney Plus, the Star Wars stuff. They got four um, biggies that are coming out, and we're going to kind of talk about what that's going to be about, what our expectations are, what our thoughts are. Um, we've also got a little bit of news, but first, Star Wars trivia ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, Fredo to you. Softball question. Who does Jabba call a weak-minded fool? That would be Bib Fortuna. That would be Bib Fortuna. Yes, it is. Da-da-da-da-da. All right. See, told you it was a softball question. Dave, who concludes that Imperial Stormtroopers were behind the attack on the Jawa Sandcrawler. Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's part of the Star Wars drinking game, too, is that any time that Obi-Wan is like acting as a detective, you have to take a drink. Um, that happens a couple times. So, anyway, all right. Two easy questions. Let me go. Let's see if we can get three for three here. Who instructs R2-D2 that he has, quote, a great deal to learn about human behavior? And I find this very interesting because actually um, I, the same character uses the same word in another instance. It's C-3PO. And it is C-3PO. Um, I found it very interesting in Empire Strikes Back when he, when, you know, they close the blast doors and, you know, Luke is out in the wasteland of Hoth. And uh, C-3PO refers to him as a human being. I think we talked, I think we talked about that. Yeah, well, not that, but, in particular, but we had an episode where we talked about things that take you out of moments. And that was one of mine. It's like when they use, you know, um, idioms. Like, well, when Poe says, you know, damn it. Or, you know, when Han says, I'll see you in hell. Sorry, you have to, don't have to bleep those. I'm quoting, uh, but you know, it's those types of things. And then, so when I was, it, I was like, I think I was, Empire was going, and I was doing some things in the kitchen, and he says "human being," and it made me stop and go, "That's weird." I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Renew is an interesting uh, bit. Whenever you see something from our universe, so to speak, kind of seep through. But then you always kind of go like, you, you need to, it, it plays different when it's said by somebody like Han Solo, who's more of an audience stand-in, somebody who you go, okay, he's going to be, uh, you know, speaking for the audience in a way. You know, it, it's a lot weirder when it's somebody like uh, Obi-Wan or Padme or somebody of that level. Well, I mean, other things like, you know, not to dwell on this, but there's other things like, uh the last Jedi was on something that takes me just makes me go. That's weird. Is that princess Leia has a water bottle on, or I should say general Leia has the water bottle on the table as they come out of hyperspace. And it looks exactly like the water bottle that you would get at, you know, 
the sporting goods store or something. And that was just, again, just kind of weird. Um, another thing was uh, Dr. Pershing is the only character in Star Wars to to wear glasses. It's like these. Well, are... uh, also, Wilford Brimley wore glasses, right? Was he in Star Wars? Yeah, yes. in the Ewok movie. Oh, well. Yeah. But no, like that, no, even no. when we talked about that, I remember being like, this is the first appearance of glasses, we think, in Star Wars. It's so strange so anyway, to see like, something of our world. Like I said, just, just seeing that, that you know, yeah. you know, human behavior is just kind of like, well, are they humans? You know, I don't know. We're never really told. I guess C-3PO told us. So I guess there are humans in the uh, Star Wars universe. So, all right. Cool. Well, good when job you say on- humans, do you mean Terrans? Like uh, hey, let's not let's not cross uh you know Marvel and Star Wars. Come on. Let's not let's not get, you know, chocolate in my peanut butter, all right? Um uh, speaking of which, over the holidays, I also wa- rewatched um Falcon and Winter Soldier, and with the exception of the speech at the end, which I understand why I was there, but it was just really awkward for Captain America to give the, you know, the moral of the story uh-huh. on you know the city street after you know every, it, that was just awkward it wasn't the message the message was good but it was just an awkward scene otherwise that entire series was really good it was really good i'm still just wondering why people like and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to but why people have such a problem with marvel disney plus shows because so far upon well actually even star wars disney plus shows that we've talked about upon rewatch it's like, wow, these are really good. Anyway, so. Oh, just off the top of my head, I think that there's a certain expectation that comes with Marvel and Star Wars when they've primarily been movie franchises where they transition to even the streaming form of TV because that's a different medium. And, you know, kind of like you're saying, don't get chocolate in my peanut butter. This is, this is no longer, you know, my regular chocolate bar. This is now... M&M's and some people dig M&M's some people don't so uh, I guess that's it's a different format so um, and there look there's some fair criticisms of, as to how it gets adapted how they all seem to follow a certain pattern ultimately though as long as you're getting more you know I'm happy with more well as we get into the news now I will say this will be our segue is that I, I, I think that movie creators should stop trying to please the audience because they're not going to make the movie you want to make and you know and studios make the movie you want to make you're going to have you know jerks out there that are going to say dumb things and are going to be mad because you put a water bottle in in their spacecraft you know this, just make the movie you want to make and, and don't talk about it. Just promote it like you did back in 1977 with commercials and ads. And just, you're, you're making enough money. People will go to the movie and then just tune it out. So with that, I'm going to toss it to Fredo for news because we have one big one that fits right along with this line of thought. But yeah, so... Uh, Earlier in the week or sometime in the, in the last week or so, uh, Charmin Obaichinoi, the d- a director of Miss Marvel, as well as the next Star Wars movie, was doing an interview with a uh, with CNN. By the way, 
two-time Oscar winner, so you might know a thing or two about directing. Anyway, so they started asking her about being the first female director, first woman to direct a Star Wars movie. And so she, her, her quotes kind of got started on an uproar on the, on the same segments of the fan base that had a bone with Ray and had a bone with a certain number of aspects of, you know, of um, the Star Wars projects that we've gotten in the last few rubble, years. Rubble, rubble, I'll just, rubble, rubble, rubble. Exactly. Yeah, I'll just read you her quotes just to see if it was worthy of any of that. So she says, quote, I'm very thrilled about the project because I feel what we're about to create something very special, end quote. By the way, the project is the new Daisy Ridley, Ray Skywalker forms a new Jedi Order movie that's supposed to take place 15 years after the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. She continues, quote, we're in 2024 now and it's about time that we had a woman come forward to shape a story in a galaxy far, far away, end quote. Now, to recap, we've had women female directors in Star Wars like Deborah Child did Obi-Wan Kenobi. Bryce Dallas Howard has done The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and a couple of other things. But so far, all, all the feature films have been dudes, guys, you know, specifically white dudes or that. Uh, so uh, when they ask her about, you know, making, you know, she posts, she posts on Instagram that she's always been, now quote, I've always been attracted to the hero's journey and the world definitely needs more heroes. The blueprints of the heroes we see on screen are rooted in reality. I've spent my life meeting real life heroes who have overcome the most oppressive empires, battled impossible odds, and that to me is the heart of Star Wars, which is why I was attracted to the promise of a new Jedi Order and why I'm particularly excited about being immersed inside a Jedi Academy with a powerful Jedi Master, end quote. Now, tell me what in that is worthy of rah, 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 Star Wars is woke. Rah, 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 rah. Uh, you know, I mean, you're, a you're asking the wrong people here because i mean i think dave would probably agree with me here on this one it's like the thing i think about is that um i don't have a fragile male ego 99 percent of the time because i grew up with a very strong independent mother very strong independent sister i'm married to one of the strongest in you know just most you know smartest females i've ever been around smartest people i've ever been around um so like I said, it's, so I, I, it's like, I don't get bent out of shape over these things. Um, the other part of it is, is that when you are, I, I this is what I hate when people are like, um, it's kind of like they're coming after green day for, you know, being all political in their music. It's like, it's punk rock dude. <laughs> anyway. Um, but it's like, you know, or, and, but, or that, and that's art. But when they're talking about, you know, um, you know, athletes, you know, getting into things. I, I always say that if you have made it to a point where you have a podium to speak from, you have an obligation to make it easier for people who come after you. And I mean, who not come after you like with pitchforks, but who come, you know, who are to make the path oh. easier for others, especially if you are from an underrepresented community, whether that is female, whether it's African-American, whether it's Muslim, whether whatever. Um, so she's, she's saying it's about time that, um, you know, a Star Wars story is written and directed by a female. 100%. 
and you're right. She's, you know, multi Oscar winner. So it's like, you know, she has a podium and she wants to make it easier for more female directors and more female writers. I, I get behind that 110%. As long as the movie doesn't suck. It doesn't matter if anybody who, who directed it, it just, <laughs> so anyway, the, um, we're all pretty much in unison and we've been in unison for the longest time. Anybody who listens to our show knows this, that, um, we're going to side on the side of uh, diversity and inclusion. You're not married to um, a strong woman either, are you at all? Not no, at all. yeah, no, no, not at all. She's really passive. Um, she never speaks her piece. <laughs> yeah, that's never happened in the history of uh, uh, any anything. No, um, you know, these are the sorts of things that I think we probably shouldn't give as much oxygen to as we do, and we're and we're talking about it. But, you know, it's she's going to do she's either going to do great or she's not going to do great. And um, I'm eager to see what happens. Um, I love that she has the opportunity to do this. Um, and um, I want to see different I want to see different spins, different takes, different characters, different stories. I, I don't want it to always be one thing, always over and over and over and over. And I think that that's kind of what it comes down to for a lot of people. Um, even people who wouldn't self-describe as being bigoted um, that feel like, well, this is not my Star Wars, right? Like they, they're very adamant that this is the Star Wars needs to be a particular way. And, and so I, I try to be respectful to that without just immediately dismissing that person as being small-minded. Um, and, and, and I think for a lot of people that are, you know, of our generation that experienced those movies the same way we did and, and those things touched their souls in a really profound way, I understand why, oh, other things don't live up to what my vision of a perfect Star Wars is. Now, fear of change is just not how i choose to operate i don't want if i wanted to watch a new hope again i would watch a new hope if i wanted to watch the empire strikes back again i would watch the empire strikes back i don't need to see it remade essentially over and over and over and over again and like when i'm critical of star wars and of disney it's of that uh, tendency to sort of fall into some of the same traps that they've traditionally utilized in the past. And so I don't want to see them play it safe or be overly beholden to a particular idea of what Star Wars needs to be. And so one of the ways that you achieve that is you allow other people that come from different backgrounds to participate in the discussion. Um, and, and again, for better and worse, right? Um, a lot of people didn't like some of the designs that Doug Chang came up with, for example. But he came from a different background and a different mindset, and he offered what is 
absolutely 100% a different spin on Star Wars than we had previously seen. And people can debate the effectiveness of that and how much they liked it and how much they didn't. But the fact, just the fact that he came from a different background and they allowed him into that role and gave him the keys to the Corvette. I mean, I'm all for that. You're going to, you're going to have some things that work really, really well and some things that don't work so well, but you know what? You figure that out as you go along and you're like, well, this, this is the stuff that worked well. Let's do more of that. Okay. Well, what it, and I think we're seeing that play out right now. What it does, you talked about, you said maybe this person's not bigoted. And that's the thing is that there's, there's a difference between, between being racist and bigoted and the unconscious biases that everybody has and, and recognizing those unconscious biases. It's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, being male. Am I always using the he pronoun in whenever I talk or whenever I'm describing something, whenever I'm writing, you know, or, you know, it was, it was interesting when, when I left teaching and I started working for this startup. And by the way, the startup was the most diverse team that I've ever worked with. And I think I was, no, there was like on the team of like eight of us, there was like two white guys, you know? And so it was, I mean, it, the, so I had to make a video. Um, they like, it was just uh, like on, and, it was a hangout of me and two of my friends, Google hangout with me and two of my friends just to demonstrate how to use, um, Google hangouts. And they came back and they said, this is great, but can we need to, we need to make it more diverse. And I didn't come at it from, you know, only white people can be in my hangout. It was just, Hey, Sean, Hey, you know, Dave, can you be in my, this hangout and help me out? You know, did not occur to me have you know i'm i'm a white male so let's have you know a female in there let's have somebody you know have a person of color in there so that you know it is more you know inclusive more welcoming that only brings more people to your product you know it's like so those were unconscious biases that i had that i had to you know recognize and so yeah i mean so it, it does. It only it only makes things look more like the world that we live in. So, and I think and I think when you look back, there's you know there's an understanding that when you know better, you do better kind of thing. You know, back in the even as late as the late 1970s, the likelihood of an of a director like Charmino by Chinoy, you know, a woman of color, getting even the 10 million that George Lucas got to make Star Wars was a low likelihood. So now there exists a world and an opportunity for her to be able to take what is one of the biggest franchises in the world and do her own take on it. Just like there was, there's a chance for directors of all kinds to step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or, you know, directors of all kinds to direct any kind of thing, you know, any background, any history. What, what we tend to forget whenever we give, as Dave says, air to the idiots, is that there is a whole wide world out there that doesn't look like them, doesn't talk like them, doesn't think like them. And if you're only catering to them in order to appease them, you know, you know the movies you make will always look the same 
And at some point, there is a lot of dimension returns there. Whereas if you spread your opportunities out there, if you take the chance to go, okay, let me speak to that young girl who's as much a Star Wars fan as you or I or Dave. If you're looking at, at that person of color who lives halfway around the globe and make sure that they feel that they can be a part of this universe, that who knows, they're going to be, I mean, they may not end up working in Star Wars. They may end up coming up with the next Star Wars, the next great fictional universe that, you know, that kind of sharpens the imagination and connects with people. And there's always an opportunity cost whenever you don't take chances. So given the fact that, look, Disney's never going to lose money. Everybody goes, oh my God, this could go. No, no, the worst that happens is there's a bad movie made and we move on to the next one because that Star Wars is too big to fail. But, so take the opportunity, take the risk, make something that might be bigger than just a movie that just comes out six months later, everybody forgot. And before we move on, but to Dave's point, here's what I don't want to have happen, which is what I'm fearful that Lucasfilm will do, is that if the movie does like Han Solo, the Solo a Star Wars story type returns, if it doesn't do so well, are they going to go, oh, what's different about this? Oh, well, let's not, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? They're, are they going to like, okay, well, yeah, we, should, we shouldn't have had a woman do it. You know, let's let's go back to what works. Let's find JJ. You know, that's that's my fear. And maybe I shouldn't say Lucasfilm specifically. It's just that, you know, money talks and corporations can get really stupid when their money ain't talking as loud. And that's, that's my fear is like, but here's the other thing pre-internet to the two of you, when a movie was coming out, did you ever give a rat's butt as to who was directing it or who wrote it? No. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't, I mean, unless it was like Scorsese, oh, it's going to be, it's, or, or Francis Ford Coppola. There was a couple like big names where it's like, okay, you kind of know what you're going to get. Otherwise it was just like, does the movie sound like a good movie? That's the movie I want to go to. That's not saying that it's not important that we have, you know, diversity in writing and directing. I'm just saying it's like, our, <laughs> I don't know. It's but, but I also think it speaks to the shifting landscape of Hollywood where, you know, if you made, say, a movie that didn't connect with an audience when we were young people, when we were kids, yeah, it would cost money, but it would You put the killers when not... we were young at this point, so... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily bankrupt the studio, well... so to speak. And, and that's the issue is that now, whenever you make one of the, you know, making a Star Wars movie costs you $400 million, $500 million. Uh, and so the expected return in order for it to be a hit is no longer just make your money back. It's make your money back plus get to a billion. And I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's impossible. It's like, that's the expectation. And, and not we're going way deep on this and way too long, probably. But I mean, there's also this, you know, the fact that the white male is going to be, you know, not in the majority in the very near future um, is scaring the hell out of a lot of white males, you know, and that's, and I'm not saying that is a forgivable thing. I'm just saying that, I mean, that's just, you know, 
until you said the, the fear of change doesn't stop you, Dave. It's like, you know, sometimes that's, I think that's what a lot of these people on the internet, they're, they're fearful of that change. And when they realize that it's not going to be so bad, you know, then maybe they'll shut up. I don't know. Or maybe they'll die off. Who knows? The other thing too, and again, the, the elephant in the room is that for a lot of people, they haven't liked a lot of the Star Wars content that they have received. And again, for whatever reason, um, everyone has their own personal reasons. Um, but if you don't like what you've seen over the last decade, yeah, you're going to be skeptical about what you're going to see going forward. Um, but again, like when you start throwing things into this, like race and gender and th- just stop, yeah. just, just stop because it's, it's not doing you any favors. It's not doing anyone else any, any favors either. Oh, we're going to boycott it now. We're going to review bomb it now, or we're going to, you know, make our YouTube videos about the Come the heck on. I mean, what are you 12? You know, like. Move on. Yeah, yeah, you no, think, no, no. You end up in a position where, like, kind of like Aaron was saying, it's like you're not checking your own privilege as to wait a minute. I've had all these movies made for me. Why, you know, it's like instead of acknowledging, wait a minute, that's an opportunity to tell a new story that I may like. Uh, we'll move on. Yeah, like Dave was saying, we'll move on. So. <laughs> Yeah, we're all of the, uh, tonight, we're all of the same news. mindset here. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tonight's our news, uh, speaking of solo Star Wars story, uh, uh, Kira, a.k.a. Amelia Clark, uh, was one of the honorees at the this New Year's uh, celebration. Uh, her and her mom, so every year, at the end of every year, uh, the royal, the British royal crown, issues out a certain number of awards for people who do charitable works in the United Kingdom. So... Amelia Clark and her mom started a, a nonprofit organization called Same You back in 2019 that helps people provide people with services uh, specifically aimed at folks with brain injuries. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Amelia Clark back in her 20s suffered two brain hemorrhages, including like hospitalization, like serious brain bleeds that could have taken her life. So she started a foundation to kind of help people go through similar stuff. So uh, her and her mom, who helps her run it, are being bestowed the members of the British Empire honor, which is like step one on the way to becoming either a sir or a, or a dame, so to speak. So congratulations to them. I mean, it speaks to the fact that they're out there trying to do good. By the way, not to be a... Uh, um push my glasses up on this next point, but uh, I hope you get the last name correct. Oh, <laughs> I briefly too mm-hmm. want to just say that uh, I really enjoy her on screen, Amelia Clark. She's, mm-hmm. I always, I always enjoy watching. I do her. too. And and I, yeah, I was, I was yeah. again, Solo, yeah. a Star Wars story was on and I got, and Brittany always says, I want more Kira. And I'm mm-hmm. the same way. It's, it was such an engaging character, but anything she does is really good. Sorry, Dave, stepped on you. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, what they, they filmed, what was it? The Terminator movie that she was in, they filmed in New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She talks about going to the Lowe's over on. Um, yeah, you know how I know that that story is BS? 
Because uh, I actually just watched that uh, like a couple nights ago. It was like on my YouTube feed, and I remember it was a funny story. She said she went to Home Depot at three in the morning. Yeah, nothing's open at three in the morning in New Orleans. Well, there's, and there's not a not, Home Depot down. I mean, it, maybe the DAC, the drive-through Daiquiri place, and Bourbon Street is open at three in the morning, um, but they're in a Home Depot down there anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, kids. If you're ever in New Orleans, nothing good's open at three in the morning. Yeah, no just place go to bed. That you should be at three in the morning. But yes. yeah, no, no. I mean, she talks. She and she's talked a bit honestly about her experiences being, you know, on that hospital bed, thinking, you know, I'm in my twenties. I'm doing Game of Thrones. The world is at my feet, and here I am in a hospital bed, and I may die. And you know, how will that feel? So. Uh, anyway, so congratulations to her, and hopefully she'll get all the way to get knighted, but that's a step. So uh, next topic, Amora Morrison was being <laughs> I was being interviewed by News Hub, and so I started talking because he's in the new Aquaman movie, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and uh, they started asking him about uh, upcoming projects, including Book of Boba Fett, so season two. So his quote was, quote, I don't, even, I don't even know if there is going to be a season two, end quote. So, look, I think if you were to poll the three of us, pretty sure Book of Boba Fett season two might be like lower down the total poll or the lower magic, down the list. The, the magic eight ball is items. saying uh, chances are not good. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I, and, if you, and if I gave you the choice between season two of Book of Boba Fett or season two of Ahsoka... Now, Which one you taken? However, I mean, I will say, I don't, I, I mean, if I had to put $20 down on will it or will it not, 100% no. It, it, I, I would put 20% or $20 down that no, it's, we're not going to get season two. Now, if you were to say put $40 down on whether or not Boba Fett's going to show up mm-hmm. in an upcoming Star Wars project, I'm putting $40 down on that. I mean, because, the, I mean, especially in Dave Filoni's Mando movie or in season two of Ahsoka. Why not? You know, it's like it's the Avengers movies had a gazillion people running all over the place and it was really, really cool. So why not have Boba Fett and Fennec Shan? So, um, yeah, no, I don't think we're going to get a season two. And just from a storybook or story standpoint where Book of Boba Fett ended, kind of left them in a good spot. So that if you want to bring him into the eventual Mandoverse movie, and you can still bring in, he's ready Cobb, to go. You can bring he's in Cobb to Vanth too. You can just, I mean, just say, yeah, I got better in the back to tank. Cool, you know. So it's not season two per se, but those characters can come back. So yeah. Anyway. So uh, the other actor who's been out and about doing interviews is Adam Driver. Uh, he's been in the new Ridley Scott Ferrari movie. He, he actually plays. On the- he was on the Smartless. Huh? He was on the Smartless podcast uh, this past week. So mm-hmm. there you go. Smartless, Smartless podcast. He was on uh, Rich Eisen's show. Uh, he's been doing the rounds. SNL. Again. He was on uh, SNL too. Yeah, he was doing SNL because he loves SNL. He loves doing that. So obviously, the question about and this actually comes from the Smartless podcast uh, about coming back to Star Wars uh, is asked to him. And so he, uh, they asked him about coming back, and he goes, he knows that they're doing, his quote goes, they're doing stuff, but not with me. I'm not doing any more. Somebody asked him, is that because you're done, you're done because the character's done, meaning Kylo Ren? 
And he goes, yes. Now, uh, this article doesn't mention, but when he got on Rich Eisen's show, he even said, look, I had an idea about the arc of the character and we went a different way, but I still wanted to stick to close to that arc. And so it's, so it's, I thought we did good, but I'm done with it. So while, you know, we've learned to never say never in the world of Star Wars, I imagine that Kyle Ren is more likely not coming back. I mean, that he said that basically, like I said, he said that on Smartless, the same stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and again, to Dave's, Dave's po- earlier point, it's like, I really don't want, I don't need them or want them to rehash characters that are, you know, are done and really know where to go. I mean, do something different, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With uh, Kylo Ren, it's a bit of an interesting uh, question just because of the Ray diet thing and like they've taken that in a bunch of different directions i thought that they could have and then they killed him so probably not now um where where i think he might be playing possum a little bit is cameos and i think there's a lot of potential are we gonna get force ghost ben solo in this new movie the new Ray movie's coming out, and he was important to her by the end of that uh, trilogy. So maybe I wouldn't rule that out. I wouldn't rule out animation. Um, there's a lot of potential for flashback, you know, telling stories from, you know, maybe maybe the the temple throwdown where he burned down the freaking temple and, the, and joined the Knights of Ren. I mean, maybe that story should appear in in, uh, in some format at some point. And it'd be nice to have his voice back for that. Um, so, take these sorts of things with a grain of salt. He's like, yeah, we're done. We're done with the character. It's like, well, yes. Until they offer you a paycheck. Yes. Yes, and I'm saying and like I'm, from a I'm traditional saying, sense, like he's dead, right? He's not going to come back. I don't do, but I don't do Danny Boy in my sets because it's not Irish and it's not. I don't. I just generally kind of don't care for the song. But man, it, but with the right amount of money, you could probably get me to do Danny Boy. Yeah, so I'll sell my soul. Well, and and particularly when you consider. Like, he's not the first one to say, oh, I'll never come back. Like, Liam Neeson was like, I'll never come back unless it's another movie. He's there at the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, Hugh McGregor's like, oh, I'm done now. After episodes five, say, uh, three, I'm done with Star Wars. He came back. So, you know, they brought back Hayden Christensen. There's ways to bring back these characters. There's never, you know, the, the door's never fully 100% closed until you shuffle off the mortal coil. And even then, We'll find ways of bringing you back. Well, and the other the other thing is that anybody who's signed on to a project, I am a hundred percent, well, ninety nine point nine percent sure that they are signing an NDA. So the safest answer that they're ever going to give is, you know, no, mm-hmm. no, it's it's, not it's the easiest one to give it's not until happening. until you know, I mean. Yeah. So that you just absolutely close the door and do not give anything away. But, I mean, yeah. So, anyway. 
Yeah, I, and well, I don't, until, I think if you listen well, until, if, sorry, if you listen to the, any of those interviews or like I said, in a smart list podcast thing that I was hit with is how that, and they kept saying this, like, dude, you are just, and they're like, said, so you are like at the epitome of an actor, you know, he sees it. It's like, it's not just, it, it's not just about, I want to be in star Wars. It's like, what is, what is the role? What is the, you know, what is the story that's being told? What is, you know, and that's the thing he's taking heat on is that like what his last two roles or something been for Italian guys or something like that. He's like, who cares? It's, you know, two different stories. And it's like, it's all, it's all about the story and all about, you know, the work. Um, so there, well, it's really, it's really just fascinating listening to his story. Um, so if you get a chance, listen to those uh, interviews. Well, uh, by the way, uh, let me correct myself. Ferrari, the, the director there is Michael Mann, mm-hmm. and us, and then Ridley Scott directed him in Casa Gucci. I mean, that that's the kind of directors and uh, people he wants to work with: Michael Mann, Ridley Scott, Steven Soderbergh. You know, the, the kind of people who are going to put him, you know, going to challenge him as an actor, going to make him go into all sorts of different uh, stories and into all sorts of different characters. You know, he's already worked with the likes of Spike Lee. So the idea that he's just going to be sitting around waiting for another franchise, that's not really him. And it makes sense. He wants, it's funny, there's a lot of um, really famous, like, um, actors who appear in a lot of franchises that we think only of them as the franchise character. But you go back and you start looking at their kind of overall career. They're in indie films. They're in rom-coms they're in dramas they're in horrors because they get to work with some really talented people and that's really what it's all about for them ultimately and speaking of talented people i will go right quick if you want me to Aaron. i'll go for it uh, yeah. i was just gonna say tomorrow we're well, we're less than 18 hours just under 17 hours and 29 minutes from the opening of fan expo new orleans over at the convention center and if any of the actors are listening to this podcast um come to the carry on friday and saturday i'm playing so it's (laughs) with anyway uh now yeah they got the what the um like like the four major hobbits from the lord of the rings they've uh, katie katie sackoff is there a lot of the terminator folks linda hamilton um no, Charlie Cox yeah. and uh, what you call it, and Vincent D'Onofrio, both from Daredevil. Bruce Campbell, Danny Trejo, Felicia Day, uh, Amadeus Fandi, you know Ezra. I was uh, I was thinking about going, but I'm not going to be going this year. Um, I just did not end up getting tickets, and like I said, just too many things going on. So um, I'll have to get autographs at a later time. Yeah, I'm skipping as well, but. Uh... Yeah, the the Hobbit news is big. Apparently, there's going to be a congregation of hobbits at the at the convention. So that's you know for Hobbit fans out there. Yes, get your hobbits. Will that be the the run for the second breakfast? Is that what they will call it? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, so when I first learned about the 501st was at this con in um, uh, Omaha and. I remember the coolest that the five foot, cause I was leaving the con and it was like, there was a whole pile of stormtroopers all standing there and they were all waiting to go bar hopping down 
in the old market. And I was just like, I wish I was in the bar that a bunch of stormtroopers walk into. How cool would that be? Um, so like I said, I hope it, it, so as I'm playing tomorrow night or Saturday late afternoon, um, if a bunch of hobbits walk in, that would be awesome. So anyway, um, cool. So that, that's it in terms of news. Uh, I guess the only bit of news is that when you're playing Saturday, uh, happy carnival. Yeah, that's right. 12th night. Um, so 2024, we've got four Star Wars things coming out. Um, we have the Acolyte. Yeah. We have uh, Tales of the Jedi Season 2. We have Bad Batch Season 3, and that's the final season of the Bad Batch. And then we have, uh, oh, uh, Skeleton Crew. Um, so, Dave, take us. I, I was merely going to say that I think the when we were thinking about, when I at least when I was thinking about this our show, Who Dad Jedi, I was thinking like, oh, well, there are no Star Wars projects currently happening so we can be kind of creative with our topics and i was thinking along those lines and thinking like well what 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 topics could we cover and and i'm like well since there's this lull in star wars co content rare lull as, as uh as things have have been recently and yet it's not really a, an actual lull if you look at the upcoming calendar there's there is a lot still on deck well but you said an interesting word there that's and that's the thing that yeah. makes me concerned is that they've got release dates for like i've seen release dates for everything else disney plus but those four star wars shows they say are coming out in 2024 they don't have release dates or release months do they coming soon Again. i mean i you know it stands to reason that maybe one per quarter you know, it's like, but there's been nothing that has been announced. And that makes me a little, eh. if, if, so I think the writer strike ha and the actor strike has a lot to do with that. My guess is, um, I would think I'm just prognosticating here, folks, um, Bad Batch season three will probably come out first. Um, and then I think it's a close race between the Acolyte and um, Skeleton Crew because they, you know, at Celebration, they had footage from that already. They had trailers and whatnot. Uh, and then I think Tales of the Jedi will probably bring up the rear um but i don't know one thing i would say is i've seen some speculation that skeleton crew could potentially have a tie-in with the holidays um maybe not life day itself <laughs> but some of those sorts of themes that are that are often prevalent in in the fall and winter um and so I would kind of think like that one might bring up the rear uh, and I, you know, Acolyte might be a summer well, release for us. Yeah, And the, uh, that makes sense with the skeleton crew being later in the year because it, 
it's part of the Mando verse, so there's probably going to be some overlap with whenever we get Mando season four um, or Ahsoka season two, um, and so you want you don't want to get things too far out of sight, out of mind. So that would make sense. Um, the thing I want to talk the th- well, the thing that excites me about about several of these um, with the acolyte. I just have no idea what to expect and skeleton crew. I know a little bit of what to expect, but otherwise I'm just, and I'm kind of purposefully avoiding any sort of insides or insights or spoilers or anything like that. Just because I know that these are, you know, this is just going to be new star Wars stuff and the acolyte. I'm really looking forward to because it's a totally different era you know, that's, that's what I'm excited for. It's something we've haven't seen ever. Um, bad batch. I'm looking forward just to seeing that get wrapped up and see what they do with that. Um, I would not be a bit surprised if there's a little bit of lead into the Andor series. I bet there's some connections there at some point. Um, just like I said, would not be surprised. Uh, but like I said, those I just love the fact that there are two stories that I just really don't know what to expect, and I'm excited for that. So, yeah, off the top of my head, I, uh, before I you know, let uh, Dave answer you, uh, I think I think of the of the four projects. I think Bad Batch season three coming out first makes the most sense. It's usually been first thing every year the last couple of years. The only thing that kind of gives me pause is maybe they wait because they, they always like to put something out on May the 4th. And if you're not putting out, say, The Acolyte, the first two episodes of The Acolyte, or if you put Tales of the Jedi Season 2, which, you know, those tend to be short episodes, so you can put the whole thing in one go on, on May the 4th. Bad Batch Season 3, the first two episodes premiere on May the 4th makes a ton of sense to me. So do you think that'd be that, the one thing I would go that would make me go, okay, that, and then say summer do the acolyte. And then, cause you're right. Uh, Dave is right. Cause originally scout and crew was said to be released last November, if I'm not mistaken. So that's when this was come out. If let's play the role of like, uh, you know, we're, we're the people who have to decide when this stuff goes on the calendar. You have two animated and two live action do you stagger or do you bookend or does it matter? Because I, 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 I see what you're saying about the May the 4th thing. And it's like, if you, if you do May the 4th and you have the acolyte, that's not like having May the 4th and it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, where everybody knows what Obi-Wan Kenobi who Obi-Wan Kenobi is and what's going on. If you do the Acolyte, it's like, you know, that's, it, it, I don't know. It just seems maybe that's not the best place for that release or Skeleton Crew. You know, Tales of the Jedi would kind of make sense on May the 4th because it's like, I mean, it's, here's a nice little Star Wars thing we're giving you, you know, that's doesn't make or break the universe, but it's just neat little stuff. It's a neat little present. Um, it's not the tent pole of our release schedule. I don't know, Dave, what do you, what do you think? Does does that matter if it's two animation back to back or like I said, 
I don't think it matters, but I also think that it does make sense to stagger them because like um, a lot of people look at the animation as being kind of an appetizer to the main course, um, which is the live action stuff. Um, for better or worse, a lot of people just look at the live action as being meteor, um, more more canon, <laughs> more important, better. Uh, so, like, um, I'd say, like, for that reason alone, because of sort of, like, some of your audience um, expectations, you might want to stagger them. But um, I, I have a different question, which is, will we see anything before May the 4th? And I'm not sure I have any reason to expect that we will. You would think that we would be getting some sort of promo action going now if we were to get something in that first quarter. That's why I said, you know, it stands to reason it's like release something each quarter. But here we are in Q1 and it's like, uh, you know, and nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, and we don't have, like you said, no trailers, no, no firm dates. You know, I... I think it's reasonable to assume that some, most of these projects, or if, if not all of them, are not completed yet. Now, Skeleton Crew might be in the can. I think the acolyte, I think the acolyte is in the can as well. Yeah, um, but I, I do think that they're holding those back a little bit. Um, I don't think they want to launch them in the first quarter. They they want sort of to sort of these things these projects to build off of one another um and so again like it does make sense to stagger them somewhat and and there might there might be if there's any overlap at all it'll be you know a couple weeks or something like that what's the first marvel thing that's coming out uh the next one tomorrow i believe and and what's interesting about that is they're dropping all episodes at once. So Echo they're comes not, out tomorrow. Yeah, they're and they're right. advertising as more R-rated, more serious rated. It was interesting. I don't know if you noticed over the holiday period, thanks to the 20th Century Fox merger with uh, Disney, you could find all the diehard movies on Disney Plus, which is kind of like, <laughs> okay, I hope the kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You didn't tell me I this. could I could have watched it finally. <laughs> Die Hard 1 wasn't on there. They had Die Hard 2, 3, 4. My goodness, they didn't have 5 because 5 is awful. But <laughs> we don't talk about that was, one. Yeah, Die Hard 1 was not on there. But yeah, all the other Die Hards were in Disney Plus. And you're like, so it's interesting that they're advertising Echo as more hard edge, more mature, more serious. But what's also interesting is they're not doing their normal MCU, oh, well, an episode a week kind of thing. They're just, they're all at once, six episodes. That no. might be, I mean, I, I think they're probably dipping the toe in the water to see, does that staggering, I love the fact that like all the star, everything we've gotten so far has been like one per week because it's been an event, it's been for something for me to look forward to, mm -hmm. but I wonder how much that has made people as they get caught up in their week, it, they're just like, uh, you know, they, for, they mm -hmm. forget about it, you know what I mean? So I wonder if they're like, if we drop it all at once will more people watch it to the end and will we get better ratings? I mean, I can, I can understand them doing that. Um, and that's what people have trained themselves to do on Netflix. Um, 
so I think there are there are shows that I treat that personally that I will treat that way that I try to stay caught up on but I can't um and then like oh I'll be like well I'll just wait till it finishes and then I'll binge it right right um and like Star Wars is not that way for me I you know I, I appointment you know set it on the calendar we're all sitting in front of the television on tuesday Dad, night i'm whenever. hungry shut up we're watching obi-wan kenobi <laughs> yeah right exactly um and so, and so like it's a little different but I, I i i do take your point i think it's worth experimenting some and they did what if differently so i um, bet because they did they, they they dropped them That's a right. day and then the next day and then the next day so they so staggered bet- it I bet that they don't do anything with Star Wars Q1 then, um, because no. I think they want to. I think they probably wanted to get some data on how these Marvel things went by dumping them all at once, and so they can sit and kind of look at it. I bet. I bet the first time we see anything would be May the fourth. But also, and we. I mean, and we'll probably get two things. We'll probably get a live action and an animation. I mean, you could get Tales of the Jedi one day drop, and then maybe the first episode of the Acolyte, which the other thing to consider is, and we you know we've been so accustomed now four years into Disney plus to there's a Marvel project and a star Wars project in every quarter. And maybe they're, you know, we tend to forget that we just, I mean, Ahsoka finished what six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. Like it's not that far back. It just, if you're far back because it's on the other side of the holiday period, but you know, maybe they they're between the strikes, uh, between their need to kind of do a bit of a reset, reassessing their strategies, just having the opportunity right now to say, okay, we know we got skeleton crew in the can, we know we got the acolyte in the can. Since kind of give ourselves some break and see, you know, build an interest again. Since we don't know anything, what are you guys looking most forward to? I think I told you. I said I'm looking for. I, I think I'm looking most forward to the acolyte just like i said because it's in a totally different era that we have not seen live action before it's been yes mentioned it's been written about um but this is new as far as any animation or live action i'm excited for that i think that's going to be i'm i'm really pumped for that i don't know dave what are you looking most forward to of this slate of releases in 2024 maybe skeleton grew because it just seems again kind of like the acolyte it's just outside of the realm of things that we've seen before um by most accounts it's sort of like a goonies-esque adventure um and uh you know you've got scoundrels and criminal element there going on i think but also just like we're kind of stuck in in space and we have to sort of figure our way through not being stranded and that's not really a story that's been grafted onto star wars that i can recall really um i mean other than luke and ray obviously wanting to get off those desert planets that they hated so much um there wasn't a lot of like, oh, we're stuck. Um, By the way, as a, on a tangent here, I got to tell you, it was funny. My mother-in-law was actually talking about that exact thing. She's like, why is it that like every Star Wars movie is like desert and just barren wasteland? We're, like one movie was, I can't remember which movie it was on, but she goes, see there, it's a barren wasteland. It was my mother-in-law. <laughs> so um, anyway, Fredo, what are you looking oh. most forward to of this slate? 
you don't have to pick something different. No, no, I, I think for me, it's, it is uh, the Acolyte, primarily because it is going to be completely different um, from everything that uh, uh, the cast and the creators have stated. They're doing a, a, a study into the dark side. They're looking more into the bad guys or the, the villains of the story. Uh, it's a different place where, you know, even with something like Mandalorian or Ahsoka, we kind of have an idea where things are going to belt towards. Here we have completely blank slate, which I love. Um, so it'd be interesting. I think they'll think, I was thinking as you guys were talking about, you know, if you ever wanted to do the destruction of Luke's Jedi Temple by Kyle Ren and the Knights of Ren, Tales of the Jedi is a great medium to do that. Yep. If you ever wanted to do, say, bring Adam Driver, bring Mark Hamill, do it right then and there, do it in a way in which you could have it told and be epic and be tragic. Tales of the Jedi gives that opportunity without asking anybody to put on a costume. So um, I did, I, not to like deflate our anticipation for the Acolyte, but I did uh, see somebody who was already being critical um, because in the Phantom Menace, it's like they're thinking that, I mean, the Sith has been long gone and they're like totally dumbfounded that there's, you know, Sith has come back and here we are, you know, with the Acolyte and we're talking about, you know, it's like, it's not, not that far in the past where apparently we're going to have bad guys run around. I don't know. We don't, we don't know anything that's going on, but people are already starting to try to throw holes, you know, or throw darts at the continuity raft. Um, the, uh, yeah. And I was going to ask you about the, the tales of the Jedi. What, do we know any of the stories no. that are coming or do we have any guesses? I mean, um, I mean, any stories that you would like, I think that's a good idea, Fredo. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a tales of the Jedi. That'd be a good one. Um, you know, you could also, for that matter, there's going to be a big gap there where maybe Ray is training Finn. You could have a Ray and Finn story. Yeah, you, you provided the opportunity to fill in gaps that you're right now. You're doing a lot of that with the books, uh, or you've done with that with the books. Tales of Jedi gives you opportunity to tell those stories well, in a concise fashion. This could be in a way which connect with people in a more immediate fashion. I, I, I have one that I want to see, and that's Obi-Wan Qui-Gon. That would be, you know, post-Obi-Wan Kenobi. So to see his training, much like, you know, Yoda's training on, you know, in um, the last season of, or second to last season of The Clone Wars. But that's something that just would, like, be horrible for an entire live-action season. But two quick little episodes of tales of the Jedi or maybe even one, you know, I think that would be really cool. Just about the nature of the force and how to, you know, explain away how Obi-Wan was able to disappear when Vader sliced him down. Much the same way as you had those two episodes with Count Dooku at the end of season one. Yeah. You know, again, it gives you opportunity to fill in little holes that, you know, you didn't know you wanted, you know, kind of, mess with but i always want to know what happens this is awesome mm -hmm. how, how old is anakin in phantom menace is it like 10 or something mm -hmm. like that 
Um, so there's like this, there's like this gap, right? There's like this, what, eight year gap mm-hmm. where you don't see anything and you don't know anything. You know that his relationship with Obi-Wan is somewhat strained, but you don't really see anything relating to that. And, and you know, the machinations going on behind the scene with Palpatine and Dooku and, and more of that stuff. I think that that whole time period is sort of like fertile ground. I'd love to see stuff during that particular time period. You know, it'd be funny if we ever get uh, Darth Plagueis, but we get him in Tales of the Jedi. Or we finally, you know, show it to us that all the nerds who have built that whole idea of his relationship with Palpatine, either put it to bed or, or confirm it. I want, like, Yoda and Yaddle, like, all in the family, sitting in recliners and, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so we don't give it short shift though uh bad batch any thoughts mm-hmm. on that any expectations you know mm-hmm. I, honest honestly i have to go back and watch season two to remember what I, I i i remember where we left off and everything but i'm trying to remember what all the there because there was a couple different i know crosshair and and omega are basically captive so we got to resolve that um and the others are living well tech is dead supposedly um and hunter and wrecker are living on gilligan's island um so i you know i don't know um but the whole thing was about the uh basically the cloning facility that the empire is trying to kick up so i don't know where it's gonna go that's the thing. And knowing that it's going to be what about 16 episodes probably is makes me kind of exhausted thinking about where the story is <laughs> going to go. Of course, maybe it'll be like nine episodes because it's just like, we just need to put a bow on this and go, I don't know. I think like you were talking about it potentially tying in with, um, um, and or, Andor, yeah. I mean, and there, also, there could be with Luthen and with, um, you know, the Luthen Saw Guerrera link. You know, we've already had Saw Guerrera in the uh, Bad Batch, so possibility if he could be in there. Um, there's plenty of ends they could tie up, you know. But I think I would be disappointed if they didn't lean more into the cloning stuff. Um, at least as, as far as like tying some things together a little bit more, maybe not even necessarily a Snoke appearance, but just maybe an acknowledgement that that's where they're headed. Um, or do you think we'll get confirmation that we, what we thought all along is that the stormtroopers, maybe they started out as enlisted folk, but maybe they decide to clone. Yeah, no, like they could, there's a lot that they can do there. Um, I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high because the series so far has been fine. <laughs> uh, at times emotional, at times genuinely good, but at other times just fine. 
you know, week to week, it, it varies. Well, and, and it's it's potentially problematic as well because I've talked about, I still put money down that Omega is force sensitive. Um, and so now if you just create another, you know, and I know everybody is, has the force. So, but I mean, if you have another one, if you make her like really powerful all of a sudden, then that's a really, you know, kind of awkward puzzle piece that's sitting there unless you give some good resolution to it. I I am beginning to worry that if they try to add more elements that we're going to feel pressed for time. Um, Like they, like if in, if in episode one, they're like, well, let's lay the groundwork for the season. And you, and you're introducing a bunch of new characters. And and episode two, they go on a shopping run. Yeah. (sighs) I'm just, or yeah, or if it's just like another typical mission episode where like, oh, we need more money. We're out of money. We gotta run and make more money. You know, it's I'm gonna immediately start feeling like, okay, I'm looking at my watch here, guys. You know, you only have X number of episodes to wrap this thing up. Um and you know, to use your phrase like that might take me out of it a little bit. I'm gonna just I'm gonna be like, Really? Really? But um, I'm I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful. And, and again, like with the cloning stuff, there's a lot they can do there. Um, so I so I hope we get some nuggets. You know, and I don't have like huge expectations, but just give us a little something there. Well, and particularly when you consider that the cloning element still remains relevant into the Mandoverse. So while it's not going to necessarily probably tie in directly, you probably want to see some of those offshoots pay off in Mandalorian season four, but they have to be shown. You have to show why, you know, because we know that this will continue on to the sequel trilogy because somehow Palpatine returned. So at some point you want to start laying all those foundations. I think Bad Batch is going to be the place to lay those foundations in regarding the cloning project regarding Force-sensitive cloning, regarding what eventually ends up happening to Mando and Grogu. So I think it'll be interesting if they do that. But you're right, 16 16 half-hour episodes don't give you a lot of time to just mess around. You don't get the, okay, this is the fun episode where Wrecker does funny bit A and Tech did funny bit B like he did last season because now you're against the clock, so to speak. What if... Omega shows up in Skeleton Crew. Or what would make more sense, getting to what we were talking about earlier, Mando Season 4, Boba Fett is reunited with his sister Omega. And they are both then part of that super crew for... Dave Filoni's movie. So you go a, a animated Omega to a live action Omega. That's not far fetched. That's not far fetched at all. Cause they've already made, they've already said that she's Boba Fett's, you know, twin, you know, I, I'm kind of, if I, if I, if I'd lay money down, I, I think like we're going to get some sort of allusion to or um, explanation for dark 
troopers or death troopers or some of these weird sort of stormtrooper offshoots that we've seen in other places. They're going to some of that stuff. That would be my guess. Look, Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron just wants to see Tamara Morrison in a wig. <laughs> no. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it kind of it, it makes sense. I mean, um, but however, Dave, to that point, I don't want them to use any of these series or anything just to explain things that have ticked people off for a long time. It's like, where did death troopers come from? And, you know, and not to, I'm not dismissing your point by using that dumb voice, but you know what I mean? You hear that person is like, when they first saw Rogue Run, it's like, why haven't we seen death troopers before? You know, it's like, but, you know, um, I, I don't want them to use, you know, that and Tales of the Jedi and everything just to like, just, up the further setup just to retcon and and you know fix everything you know what i mean it's like tell new stories don't you don't have to fix things you don't have to even when i said it would be interesting to see obi-wan and qui-gon and maybe how obi-wan was trained to be able to disappear when he died I, if that is the reason why you're telling that story is that so people can you know shut up about you know obi-wan disappearing then don't make that story you know what I mean? Make it yeah, because yeah. it's an interesting story to tell. In, intent matters. Um, I, I think like these things just, they can be forced for lack of a better term, right? Um, they can be forced. And uh, with Bad Bad, the story that they actually need to tell is about soldiers finding their way back into society and and being and, lost and within society and and forgotten yeah, and, yeah. figuring that stuff out and then like that's that was sort of the promise of the series originally so like that's that's mission one that's that's mission critical right there do that and then if during the course of that you give us some cool star wars goodies so much the better because it will be in the pursuit of something yeah. um, distinct or interesting on its own merits. Well, we have rambled a lot about this and like I said, with no information to go on, that's the frustrating thing is that we have no dates. All we know is that they're coming out. They say in 2024, um, how confident are last, last question to go around the horn here before we sign off. Um, cause Dave's already drinking chicken soup and like, you know, uh, getting kisses from his wife on, you know, <laughs> on camera. Um, uh, what, how confident are you that we're going to see all four of those, uh, series in 2024 on a scale of one to five, one being not confident at all and five being, yeah, we're seeing all of them. I would say I'm at a, um, three. Because we don't have any dates, that makes me. I don't. I, I don't feel confident that we're going to see all four of them in twenty twenty four. Two of the series are in the can, and Tales of the Jedi is very limited in nature. So there's a really good chance that we get three or four. Um, 
I'd say I'm at a four. Okay. That, that tracks okay. with this podcast. I'm I'm the negative Nancy, and you guys are you know poly positivity. And anyway, go ahead, Fredo. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm with Dave. Uh, I'm at a four. I just think from the standpoint of we know that the two live action shows are either in the can or ninety percent in, uh, where they may just need a reshoot or a special effect touch up. Bad Batch should be coming out. Tales of the Jedi, they told us during last celebration, was scheduled for this year. And when you consider it, I mean, this is years past, we would have six, seven Disney Plus Star Wars shows. We're talking about four, which when you look at it, it's not that big of a slate. Not as not as much as they've had years past. Six or seven Disney Plus like Star Wars shows. Remember the when they came out, we had Mandalorian, you had uh, the Book of Boba Fett, you had uh, the same Rebels. Year. I mean, like they were coming but out one after the visions other. Visions and, you know, different animated things. You know, and the, I would. Ahmad Best game show and like all these things, right? I, I just, I, mm-hmm. I just to give, just to give uh, like more support to my three, I would be at a four as well if we hadn't have just come out of a writer and actor strike because you know the animated stuff that's a heck of a lot of actor voice actor work that and a lot of also production work that needs to be to be done um so like i said i would i would be at a four as well if it hadn't been for the strikes leading in so that's why i'm at my three um yeah i think i'll be there with you if most of the stuff wasn't already done. Like, like like I said, Skeleton Crew was scheduled originally to come out last November. Uh, the Acolyte was finished principal photography right before the strike went in. So it's been in post-production and that didn't go on strike. And uh, Bad Batch, you know, all that, the audio acting gets done first and then they animate. So... While I agree with you, I, I think what will be interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see if this gets backloaded. You know, where, if, where it's, we go through the first quarter, no Star Wars, and it's not until May the 4th that we start getting stuff, and then it goes through the end of the year. Well, we shall see. Um, but like Fredo alluded to earlier, um, if you're in the New Orleans area, heck, even if you're not in New Orleans area, you know, just know. Carnival starts on Saturday, and it's a short carnival. And Mardi Gras Day is on my birthday this year, everybody. So, um, and so Fredo and I are going to have a very busy um, weekend because mine's on Mardi Gras Day. Yours is on uh, Tuck Saturday, right? Or is it on? And no, it's Endymion Sunday, isn't it? Iris, Iris, and Tuck Saturday, which is also. Endymion Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Yes. So yeah, you're going to, I'm going to have to go watch Endymion now because it's your birthday. Um, but, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, going to be fast and furious and, um, so. and like fast and furious, it's all about family. Sure. Um, another franchise I have not watched one movie of, so I don't think I need to either. I don't think you guys will fault me for not seeing the fast and furious. Um, but anyway, um, uh, let uh, yeah. anyway hope you all have a very uh wonderful weekend stay safe stay healthy um hope you had a wonderful holiday season 
Go Pels. It is Falcons hate week, so beat the Falcons. Um, anything else? I don't know. We will just say who dat? Who dat? And everybody have a great week. My monkey.